0: Great chiropractors and physical therapists are under constant pressure of declining insurance reimbursements and long hours. But did you know there's a way to double your profit without working more? By building a gym onto your practice, you can earn more income, stabilize your business, and be a hero to your family, patients, and team. It's a big undertaking with a huge reward. Dr. Josh Satterley has done it, changed his life, and now wants to help you do the same. Welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode
1: edition of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I am honored to be on today with our first female guest, uh, Nicole Spencer.
2: How are you, Nicole? I am great. Thanks for having me.
1: Hey, it's our pleasure. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, thinking, you know, why Nicole Spencer, I'll tell you this. Nicole has an incredible story about starting a gym from zero to thriving in probably the shortest amount of time I've ever heard of. Uh, so we're going to get that to that in a second. But for those of uh, everybody around the nation, can you tell, Nicole, can you tell everybody where you're calling in from?
2: I live in Asheville, North Carolina.
1: Fantastic. Now that's the land of like big trees and green forever, right?
2: Yeah, we are in the mountains and we are one of the top tourist destinations and top rated places to live in the entire country.
1: Fantastic. So you're one of those people that uh, you're walking through the check in and it's like uh, outside magazine, best places to live. And you go, huh, I already live there. I don't need to move.
2: Oh, yeah. And there's nowhere here to live anymore. So. (laughs) <laughs> so I got in at a good time.
1: Fantastic. All right. So uh, you got so much to talk about, Nicole. You're, so, you're incredibly uh, storied past of success. I would love to get in all of that. But uh, real quick, can you share with everybody your newest project, what you're working on now?
2: Yeah. Um, my newest business is called Authentic Conversion. Do you want me to share a little bit about what it, it is? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I have been, I've obviously owned a a gym previously and I have been working as a business coach and consultant for gym owners around the world for, um, a little over three years, three and a half years. And, one of the desperate needs that I've seen from gym owners is the ability to market effectively and in a way that is what I would call a long game strategy. And so um, it's not just about, you know, kind of going in for the kill and running Facebook ads and hoping, you know, it all works out. Um, So I, I created Authentic Conversion to fill what I see is a very strong need for people to build relationships with not only their current and past clients, but with prospects online um, and with audiences that maybe are barely seeing them or just kind of know about them or people who haven't even seen them at all yet. So the, the whole premise of authentic conversion is done for you, blog, email, and social content to be shared across all of those platforms and really create a, a digital web to kind of quote unquote catch your prospects in. so you're building your email list, you're building your Facebook retargeting list uh, and you're really just getting eyes on you in a, in a very kind of unique way that gets people to know like and trust you before they've ever even met you so hopefully that kind of makes sense
1: all right so you just basically told people uh, some of our listeners are like hey how do i boil water and you just said well it's easy to become a french <laughs> chef and make pastries from scratch <laughs> so let's kind of break this down for some yeah. people if that's all right yes yeah, uh, so
2: it's it's done for you uh written content essentially so basically
1: you call nicole and you get fresh baked croissants coming out of the oven at 6 a.m that's basically how this goes
2: Yes. And it's, it's just, it's essentially it's 10 pieces of content to use as you see fit. Although I advise how to do it. Um, And it's just emotionally connected, authentic content that people can really relate to that gets them to kind of start thinking or even move forward into taking some type of action with you and your business.
1: Yeah. So it's everything that everybody knows they should do, but hasn't yet actually done yes okay awesome well let's <laughs> let's go back to where this all started, and um, I first heard about your you know epic growth when you were running a relatively small gym and uh, you kind of went from you know from zero to busy pretty quickly. Can you kind of tell us your little backstory about that
2: yeah so about uh, about ten months or so before I opened my gym, I had been living in New York City and uh, working as a personal trainer and managing uh fitness the whole kind of fitness department of an Equinox up there and ended up in a small town in Southeast Georgia where I didn't know anybody. And everyone there told me I would be crazy to open a gym, that it wasn't something people were interested in. I was told that by my doctor. I was told that by kind of a local health coordinator. And despite all of that, I I had this dream of owning a fitness studio, a group training style studio and Decided to move forward on it and opened my, my first day with one client. She was my next door neighbor and she trained with me all the way through to the end. Um, and within the first 90 days grew from one to 50 clients and then hit just under 100 after the first year. So this was literally like I didn't know anybody to having almost 100 clients in a year, which was pretty cool.
1: Heck yeah. So they're everybody around you saying that that's a crazy idea. And you look back and said, well, lucky for you guys, I'm crazy. So let's do this. And you went from zero to 100 clients in less than a year. Yes. Fantastic. And so for all those people that are like, oh, well, that had to be like planet fitness, $10 a month, you know, blah, blah, blah. Can you give us a little bit of, uh, just some metrics about the business? Like how many square feet are we talking about?
2: Yeah so the studio was 2000 square feet and okay. um so it was a, it was a decent size I, I could hold a, comfortably about 20 per boot camp uncomfortably right. we we got 30 in there one or two times but um yeah, so there was the only competition, or what I would have seen as competition, where there were maybe four CrossFit gyms within a twenty-mile radius. But um, I came in charging the highest rates in my local area, which was super scary. But uh, you know what we offered was so valuable to people that, for the most part, it wasn't an issue.
1: Yeah, and I would just guess as it works, and everybody argues with me about this point, but the more you charge, the more. Uh the more regular your customers become, the more they value it, the more they actually use it. Would you agree with that without me ever telling, we didn't talk about this before, but everybody thinks that charging high is going to mean that people either don't show up or they think you're too expensive or there's all these excuses. But in your experience, what is it like to charge at the high end of the market?
2: Well, it helps you get in front of the the right type of clients, and yeah, I mean, just as you said, it's very easy to forget about a ten twenty dollar a month gym membership but you know for for a boot camp averaging about one hundred and fifty dollars a month, that is significantly more than most people are used to spending, and that is not. Uh, just one of those expenses that you can write off every month. It really helps people to stay consistent and stay engaged.
1: And inconsistent when you're owning a gym means they're in better shape and they have great success stories to tell their friends. And that's great to use in your marketing.
2: Et Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that was, um, you know, we kind of became known as the place to go if when you were actually ready to get results. So we had, Just so many before and afters, so much presence on social media, really with our clients guiding it because they were so happy with their results and it was really cool. Um, So so yeah, we were that place to go when you were ready for transformation because my specialty was really working in fat loss for women between ages of about 45 and 60. Um, Typically anywhere from 25 to 75 pounds, but we certainly had more and had less as well.
1: I love it. I love the fact that you just identified that here's why you're an expert at this. Because you just said, I work in a niche called women. And within that niche, I work in a niche called fat loss. And within that, I work in this tiny little age group that's between 40 and 65. And within that, I'm not just looking for everybody. I'm looking for the women who have at least 25 pounds to lose. So you're like, I want a niche of a niche of a niche. And of that, I'm going to pull the little niche. So you're, I always jokingly say, female albino hemophiliacs uh, of America, you're you're even more niche than that in this tiny little town in, what'd you say, Northern Georgia?
2: Southeast Georgia, right on the coast. Yeah.
1: Wow. I mean, (laughs) so for everybody that thinks it won't work in their market or whatever, you were like... I'll, I'll take my market and I'll trim off a bunch of it, right? I don't need everybody.
2: No, it's- you you just need. I mean, you have to have some goals, but you know, I knew I didn't need hundreds and hundreds of clients to to achieve my goals. So zeroing in on that market was entirely possible.
1: I love it. I absolutely love this. Oh my gosh, this is so great because this <laughs> is even better than I thought, Nicole. And and just uh, for all the all the doubters out there, how big was your town that you're in?
2: Oh gosh. Um, I want to say maybe around like in the entire county and it was very sprawling too. So maybe about 80,000.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Great. Okay. I'm going to use this as ammunition for everybody that argues that, oh yeah, you haven't been to my town. It's like, I haven't, but this Nicole girl out on the coast. So by the way, the fact that you're on the coast means we can't go any further East. (laughs) There is no market in the water. So, anyways, this is awesome. <laughs> this is fantastic. So, just to recap, you went from you were at the high end of the market. You went from zero to 100 clients in 12 months, and then you you rode this pony for what would you say three years of of a great business. It sounds like. I mean, if you that that kind of explosive growth, you probably had healthy cash flow. Uh, things are going great, and so you you said you sold it after. Am I right? Three years
2: yeah so i in the starting at the beginning of the third year, I started removing myself from the day to day operations. I had a great team who really took care of everything um, I was always i was profitable as in bringing in more than I was spending in my monthly expenses. Of course, I initially took on debt obviously to open the business, but I was profitable in my second month in business I uh, was always just really smart about how I was spending and in the starting at the beginning of the third year, I started removing myself from the day-to-day operations. And about six or seven months before I sold the business, I actually moved up to Savannah, Georgia, which was about an hour away. So I lived up there. I was traveling a lot. I had taken a full-time job on at that time, doing the business coaching and consulting. And so the gym was kind of running itself and I put it on the market for sale. I want to say around May or June of 2015 and we closed at the end of July on the sale uh, for the price that I had listed it for, which was pretty cool uh, and and as I mentioned to you as we were kind of chatting earlier, the goal was always to either sell it or run it remotely within three to five years, so it's pretty cool to hit that time frame
1: so you started it, got it profitable after the second month, got full. already went into it with the plan to sell it. And in three to five years, as soon as you ticked over the third year mark, you said, all right, it's on the market. And somebody said, here's all the money you asked for. Thank you very much. We're out of here.
2: Yeah, I know. I feel feel pretty lucky for how everything went down. Just very fortunate
1: you need to write a business book because this is the story that's in like the first 30 pages that everybody's going, Oh, this doesn't actually happen. Come on. And it's like, Oh, here we are in Southeast Georgia doing it. This is, this is incredible. So uh, can I ask you a couple of questions about the gym operation and whatnot? And then we'll go to what you, what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really talking to a lot of people that are like, they got a clinic going, they're probably pretty successful in that clinic and they're looking at this um, as like an addition to really take it out there and say, hey, how can I have this aspect of my business that really helps me make some money without a lot of uh, direct labor, right? Mm-hmm. We want them to operate their clinic, but we want this gym to be a perfect place for all their clients to end up and also provide better care and also provide some monthly recurring membership revenue, which a clinic is all eat what you kill. So, um, along those lines, could you just give people maybe one, two or three tips about, um, how to run a a very healthy, successful gym like that?
2: Yeah. Um, I, there are three things that really stand out to me and they're kind of higher level. And I think this is where everybody really needs to start. So the, the first piece is having a really clear vision. So, when I started my business, I knew, okay, it's gonna be a boot camp model. We're gonna specialize in kettlebell training. I'm gonna specialize in fat loss. So integrating nutrition coaching and all of these things obviously evolve over time, but I, I knew all of those things. I knew it needed to be run remotely or sold within three to five years. And I just got so clear on what the vision of that looked like, on what my clients would look like, on you know, what color the walls would be, where the mirrors would be, where the office and the consultation room would be. My vision was so so, so clear for the short term in those more tangible pieces, but also for the long term. So really knowing where you want to take this and what your end game is. And your end game could be holding on to it until you retire or passing it down to a child, or maybe you want to grow something really substantial as an asset and, you know, sell it or have somebody else run it. So just getting really clear on the vision, I would say is the first thing. The second thing being getting a lot of that clarity again on who you want to help. So you already, if if you're a chiropractor incorporating fitness into your business, it's probably somewhat clear for you. Um, but you can even, you know, you can even whittle that down more. You're probably not going to help children and elderly people, right? So getting really, really clear on who your target market is and what problem you're looking to help them solve. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done on getting that type of clarity. And then I would say the third thing is deciding what model you want to run in your business. And I don't know uh, for chiropractic if it would make more sense to have a one-to-one or semi-private model or do you want, you know, large group training. And once you've decided on the model for how you're going to best serve your target market, then you can look at your packaging and pricing and just Going into that, being really conscious of profit margins and things like that, so that you have a really solid foundation. I think once you have your vision, you know who you're going to serve, and you know your model with your packaging and pricing. Uh, those are really the first three steps to take toward creating a successful operation.
1: That's awesome. Uh, it's it is pretty simple, but I love the fact you're talking about the you're talking about the strategy and the the tactics there, right? The, the tactics being what membership levels are you going to have or what's your group offering and and selling it that way. And then the strategy really is that vision. Like, what do you want to have? And you can create it. Like you're saying, you created a great bootcamp model off kettlebells and whatnot. And and you got exactly what you envisioned, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I will say getting your, your packaging and pricing right is so important. You know, I, I look back and I if I had if I hadn't had some help with that and some coaching, uh, I would have done that very poorly and probably not had a business for three years that I was able to sell, or I would have had a lot of work to do to undo the damage caused by not setting that piece up correctly from the start.
1: Yeah. Now these three things, I mean, I know that you worked with uh, quite a few gym businesses along the way in your, your, your consulting and coaching, uh, uh, work. Um, would you say those also match up with the three most common things you hear people that are doing it incorrectly, or what did you what did you really see of the people that were reaching out for help in that um, in the coaching model?
2: Um, I w- I would say yeah, those three things are definitely involved: vision. Struggling with vision is is huge uh, for people because they kind of think in the now and not the long term. And I don't think you need a you know clear ten year vision. Every step you're going to take in between, but I think you need to have some idea of your end game. And those things can can evolve over time. But we've got to have something that we're working toward. I would say in the beginning and throughout, just kind of checking in with that consistently is going to be key. Some of the other challenges that I see is is number one, really not having, this, this is going to sound bad, but not having like the best quality service, right? And so that could be, you know, your training methodology isn't up to par or people get hurt or... um you're not training people in a way that produces the result that they're looking for, which would mean you have a misalignment with your target market. Um, and then I would say as the businesses grow, really getting a handle on finances and team management, whole hiring process through, you know, the management process. Those are some of the big things that really stand out to me. That's
1: awesome. I love that. Yeah. And it's funny uh, when you said, you know, the quality um, I think it, it's, if you look at most businesses and, and I, you know, being a gym owner for a while, like I will tell you in some ways, the bar is so low in, in general with the fitness offering. A lot of people, oh, I like to work out, therefore I'm open to gym. And it's really easy to beat those people in, in business. But what really gets exciting is when you find somebody that's really offering some great service in the gym model, because it's, it, it's, it's, it's almost like having finally a great competitor across from you. You know, you're like, Ooh, this is like the black belt going up against the black belt, you know? Um, and and it's really exciting. There's a place across town that was doing a lot of what we are doing. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of people were talking about them. And then I looked at their pricing. I'm like, Oh my God, they're even more expensive than us. And we thought we were at the high end. (laughs) Like, you know, having something that's actually challenging on that is fantastic. Uh, and, and honestly, the lower level, of the, of the market doesn't do anything for anybody. It doesn't serve the clients, and it doesn't serve you as a gym owner. If that's everybody's perspective, so yeah, I, I love the fact that you're promoting that great offering, but that has to be with some sound uh, business principles as well, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and again, really, really getting a hold on understanding income versus expenses and making smart decisions there.
0: Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist working long hours, worrying about lower repayments, and missing out on quality time with your family? You can double your income without working more hours by adding a gym to your practice. Clinic Gym Hybrid Solutions has a step-by-step guide that dramatically simplifies and speeds up the addition of a fitness center and its monthly recurring revenue. In just six months, you can be on your way to freedom. Visit clinicgymhybrid.com today for a free downloadable PDF and complimentary consultation to get you started. That's clinicgymhybrid.com. So there you are. You, you created exactly what you envisioned. You
1: sold it after three, three years and one month. You're totally free to do whatever the heck you want, and you have a ton of knowledge about the fitness space, and, uh, and you decided to go in a certain route. Can you kind of take us through that transition and why you ended up doing uh, what you're doing?
2: Yeah, so even before I sold the gym, I was working for another company doing business coaching and consulting for gym owners around the world, um, which was great. I I met a lot of people doing that, helped a lot of people grow their gyms and, and start their gyms. I actually love working with people in the very beginning stages or people who are kind of still solopreneurs and are on the verge of creating this awesome thing so I did that for a long time and about two and a half years ago I also started an online weight loss coaching business so I do still work with clients I've got I think 24 people on a 21 day challenge right now um, from all over the, the U.S. and um I've created Authentic Conversion. I launched that in January, although it's been a vision for me for more than two years, which I kind of explained earlier. And um, getting into some cryptocurrency consulting work and all kinds of interesting stuff. I have a you know rental property, so I, I like to keep myself really busy and I'm still doing some coaching as well.
1: Fantastic. So, so out of this whole thing, you had all the knowledge of all the aspects of business. And I always think it's interesting because here you are, you're saying to gym owners, hey, uh, I can take all the load of marketing off your shoulders, right? I'm, I'm going to create all the online stuff, the social platform. I'm going to teach you what to do with what I produce. But this is really a, a marketing game, right?
2: Yeah. And it's, so, a, it's a long game. Like I said, you know, I kind of like to look at Marketing as a long game, as more of a farming versus the kind of hunt and kill technique. Everyone wants really quick wins when it comes to marketing, and there were days where that was possible before everyone was doing Facebook ads. You could put one up, and I remember I did one, and I think it was about March of 2015 put maybe $100 into it, and made 15000 back within six weeks. But you know what? The days of that being effective and working that way are over and they're never coming back. Um, so, so you really have to look at your marketing strategy from a high level. You want to have multiple poles in the water. You want to have offline strategies like business networking and partnerships and public speaking. And you also want to have those digital strategies where you're using your email list and you're driving people to your blog to uh, have some people to retarget and you are creating and building relationships with people, particularly depending on your audience, but through Facebook and Instagram, that's incredibly powerful. So you you need to have, if you really want to grow kind of exponentially, you need to have lots of different poles in the water. And the one from working with hundreds of business owners, the one that i found people struggle with most is the the digital piece and the content piece. And I've been creating content for myself and for other people for a long time. So it's really exciting for me just to be able to focus in on this this one thing I happen to be really good at and help other people grow their businesses over the next few years using this content.
1: Okay. So let's uh, let's dig in a little bit there because I think you got some ears perked up in our in our <laughs> listener. So you said that it does include, you, you do have some tips or some, some help around Facebook and does, you do have some around Instagram, uh, some of the other platforms I'm sure like YouTube, I guess would, would do this. But let's go into that digital content piece because I think that's an area, well, forget that. Let me ask you this question on the front end. If, if you were to identify the fitness pros you're working with, what is the most neglected piece of their marketing strategy that is also the most powerful if they implement it quickly? Or, or if they implement it properly, I should say?
2: Um, it, Would you it's say it's- a, it's a little hard to answer that because everyone tends to veer toward their strengths. Uh right? So I'm a big believer in relationships, right? And that's why I created Authentic Conversion to create relationships online. Now, what do I think is the most effective way to get high quality clients is in-person relationships, getting referrals from your current clients, business networking, and public speaking. I mean, those are always my big go-tos, but you can't just do those things. And unfortunately the competition is so much savvier than it used to be. So whereas I could be sitting in Brunswick, Georgia, being the only person who used you know, most of these strategies, well now, that would look a lot different. People are much savvier. Business owners are much savvier. Everyone's paying attention. So you really have to do something different to stand out in the crowd. And that's what the authentic conversion content does because a lot of fitness professionals really get bogged down in the need to educate, right? And that's nice and it's great and establishes you as the expert, but nobody wants to feel like they're in school when they're reading your blog. People want to connect with people. They don't want to connect with brands. And all at the end of the day, if they're going to put time into watching videos or reading emails or reading blogs or looking at social posts that they want to engage with, it's got to be something that inspires them, that makes them want to take action, that's somewhat entertaining, but that connects with them emotionally. So so that's really how my content comes in to, to help people. And it's really to help them stand out in what I would call a very loud online space in the world of fitness.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it often gets overlooked too. Like we, we went out and presented... <laughs> I would guess 50 times to local golf courses. We were really heavy in the golf space Mm -hmm. and uh, the the folks that bought my place were, are continuing that. Um, And we had a lot of success there, but I can't tell you, it was so funny. Like we'd go out and present to the PGA chapter, the local golf pros, the country clubs and all that. And what we learned is if we didn't have anything afterwards, they'd all say, oh, that was great. Blah, blah, blah. Then we'd come out six months later, like, oh, you know, I, I wanted to call you, but I didn't have your number. I didn't want to do this, but I didn't know how to get a hold of you. And it's like, if you're doing all those public speakings in conjunction with a solid social media platform, in conjunction with, you know, great uh, content that's available on Google, those people that met you and liked you and trust you now want to continue or stoke this relationship by, in, you know, uh, hiring your services. But the flip side is if you just go out and talk, that's almost a waste of time, in my opinion, if you don't do anything in between to give them the opportunity to find you.
2: Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's great to go out and do public speaking and collect, you know, 20, 30 email addresses as contacts. And then it's great to follow up with them once and, you know, they're not quite ready or whatever. But if you're not producing something to consistently put in front of them, and by consistently, I mean at least two times a week, uh, via email, particularly. Then yeah, I would agree. It's kind of pointless because they are going to forget about you and they're going to end up in front of the person who has made themselves what I would consider to be omnipresent. Wherever you look, they are speaking to you. They're emailing you with great valuable content, not asking you to buy things, just purely delivering value. You're seeing them on social media because people are sharing their posts or you know their ads are coming at you and they you recognize them and you're just engaging in this content. Content. And so when that prospect is then ready to take the next step, you are the logical decision. Whereas if I spoke to someone three months ago, while I, while I do believe public speaking is, you know, if you're good at it, it's the best way to, to grow your client base, um, you know, if you don't follow up, which essentially, you know, you don't just do one follow-up, you need many, many follow-ups, you know, seven to 12 on average before somebody will take action. If you don't do that, and if you don't deliver value and you constantly just ask for sales, it's never going to happen.
1: Yeah. I, I love what you're saying, Nicole, because I think you're, you're so right. I mean, if you just, you know, if everybody listening, just look at Amazon, like, I don't know if you're a prime member, but I'm a prime member and everybody I know is a prime member. And it's like, I have this great experience with Amazon and, uh, I buy stuff all the time. Like at a, you know, I'll be at lunch and I'll be like, Ooh, I, you know, what I need is a special serving spoon. And I look at um, Amazon on my phone, I order it, but Amazon still, still is the ad I see most of the time on all the YouTube videos I watch. They still hit me up inside my Instagram feed in my Facebook feed. They're retargeting me like crazy. And it's like, at what point do you stop? And they're like, why would we? It's incredibly successful and it just stokes the fires to get you to buy some more. And that's what somebody already has a great service. And I think to your point about the relationship, the funniest thing I think about when you have these technology giants like Amazon and Apple, if they want you to connect to a new service, they don't just say it's the, you know, the blah, blah, blah. They make a name on it. It's the Amazon Alexa. Hey, Mm -hmm. Alexa, They're, they're trying to give you a humanistic relationship there, right? So that you connect with this virtual woman that can be your assistant it's it's so funny,
2: yeah, absolutely, because again, people want to do business with people, not businesses or brands.
1: all right, so you've said it a hundred times, and I hope it's sinking in to those of us who are a little bit hard headed like myself that a we need to do have allow our clients uh, to do business with people that's us b we need to have uh, be omnipresent, as you said. So we're on social, we're doing the right things. We're consistently posting. We need to have an opportunity to allow our clients to find us on their terms, not our terms, right? On their terms. And then with that, we want to form a true long-term relationship, not just this surface level, Hey, buy from us, but a little bit, uh, a much deeper relationship that will last over years, months, years, even, even five years or a decade. Um, so can you talk to that last piece? Like, how do we get that long-term relationship? I mean, in this noisy world of like a hundred messages coming at me every two minutes, how the heck do you get this deeper relationship with people when that's not what's being presented? I mean, that's not the, it doesn't seem like what the opportunity is to get in front of those people.
2: Yeah. I think it comes down to authenticity, right? Because, Businesses and, and people are always trying to create the message that they think that people want to hear. But what people actually love and want is when you are yourself and when you're the imperfect version of yourself and when you can share your own struggles and your own obstacles that you've overcome. Um, I can personally attest to the fact that my emails that get the most opens and my blogs that get the most views and shares and comments and all that stuff are when I make myself really vulnerable. And that makes a lot of people really uncomfortable to do. And so the the content that I write is written in a way that kind of supports that that theory of being vulnerable and authentic, um, but you know it's a it's a little bit more non specific than you know sharing a personal story. But I encourage the clients that I work with to get on Facebook Live and you know, to say what's on their heart, to to write or to to do video or whatever, to communicate from a place that is purely from wanting to add value to people's lives, from wanting to support people, from wanting to share. And it can't come from a place of, you know, just wanting to sell because everyone else is doing that. And so to really be vulnerable to really be authentic with people but to show up consistently you can't just do it you know once or twice and then you know hope <laughs> because it's going to your your ability to show up consistency is going to be a reflection of how people believe that you're going to do business and so if your business you know if you're if you're not showing up consistently online or in their inbox they're going to have the perception that you're going to run your business the same way. And nobody wants to do business with someone like that. So I hope that answered your question.
1: Yeah, it did. I, I like the fact that uh, just like I'm sure your content is rich. You, you provide very rich answers that go longer than they are shorter, which is, which is part of what's forming that relationship with our listeners. And that's why everybody listening is falling along with Nicole because she's Sharing all of the information, not just in facts and figures, but in stories and lessons, right? Which is kind of like a macro version of what you do on a micro scale, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Awesome. Well, um, so so you've owned the the gym, you've operated that, you've done online piece, you you're doing some online coaching. Why? Just as we wrap up here, why marketing? Why'd you go after that as the piece uh, that you want to keep pursuing with clients?
2: Um, I don't think it comes down to the marketing aspect, although that is definitely what it is. Uh, I think we all have kind of a native genius or you know, something that is really our soul's purpose to, to pursue. And for me, that's always been writing. And it's been writing from the time I was in my undergrad to all the way through grad school and getting recognized for that. And And when I had my gym, a huge amount of the the sales that I did were from my email list because I was always writing. And in fact, when I had my gym, I would tell other people in the community, just you can copy and paste my stuff. I don't care. That's fine. So people were using my content um, and I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't even thinking about charging people for it. (laughs) Um, I knew, you know, I started thinking about it a couple of years ago and I knew it was something I could eventually create a business out of. And yes, it's marketing at the end of the day, it's to build relationships so that you can grow your business, but it's just the thing that I I love doing more than anything. So for me, it's as much of a passion project as it is uh, business.
1: Wow. That's awesome. I mean, it's worked for you in the past, right? This is you. You, you visualized this, and you said, "Hey, what am I really good at?" Just like what you did in your gym, and that led to success and a, a successful exit. And now you have this that's that's growing, and I'm sure is going to positively affect a lot of lives. So
2: yeah, I'm excited about it. Good
1: yeah, and, so far, yeah, <laughs> good. And I got to say, congratulations. I mean, so many people out there are so scared to go after what they want and never create it, and you know, at some point they either get angry or, or regretful and, uh, y- you know, it comes through in your voice. Like you're so close to what you should be doing that it, it just resonates with, I think everybody listening. So
2: good, I'm glad.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I know that you have uh wonderful dogs to get back to because, and I say wonderful because they haven't barked this whole interview.
2: I, I had to give one of them, uh, something to chew on to distract her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it wasn't your shoe or something. No, no. <laughs> but, uh, what tips do you have for our folks out there? So once again, they're probably at that point where they're starting up a gym uh, and they, they really want to see it long-term and become successful in this new layer of complexity on their business. But if they're in that space, what tips have you learned along the way after coaching thousands of, of clients, hundreds of, of business owners, and, uh, and more importantly, yourself along this path of success that you've had? What, what advice would you give?
2: Um, I I mean, honestly, the the best thing you can do for yourself is have a coach to help you with the process to help. Kind of guide the vision to ask the right questions to make sure that you're creating something that's in alignment with with a vision, not just you know random things. To make sure your model is right, to make sure your packaging and pricing is right, to help you identify what tools and resources you need so that you're managing your expenses and you're not just investing in you know everything that's put in front of you. Uh, because there's a really systemized way to start a business and having coached so many people and having gone through the process of starting a brick and mortar business myself, it's so clear. So If you find a coach to work with who's done it themselves and who's helped other people do it also, what might seem like the analogy you gave, you know, becoming a French chef or whatever to you is just, it's kind of, it's just a simple and linear process and a matter of just taking the right step and then the next right step and then the next right step. And it's all very sequential and I know factually that if I hadn't had a coach that things would have turned out very differently. Um, And I still actually have two coaches now. Um, so, So coaching to me is number one.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, it's sometimes just having a coach that's just there just you can bounce a simple question off. Just knowing that somebody is there for you uh, gives you that confidence to move forward to. And I, I will 100% agree. I found Nicole through coaching like I, she wasn't my direct coach, but I was working with a company that's coaching us and, and encouraged us to raise our prices was one of the steps. I mean, that's kind of the first step. And uh, just for everybody listening, what that meant is we went from charging $60 an hour for personal training. And when I sold it, the lead trainer was charging 175 with a two-hour minimum on the front end because it was all for those golfers I spoke about. Mm-hmm. So it went from $60 to 175 I would never have taken that leap by myself. And having a coach encouraged us that it was the right move. And yes, it was scary as hell. And at some points I wanted to swallow my stomach, but... Uh, that 's what allowed us to to do the things we were able to do, and that 's one of the things that allowed my uh, exit out of there. so I hundred percent back you up, Nicole. Thank you very much for sharing that with everybody. Um, yeah. If people if something resonated with people, I mean obviously i 'm doing this because I hope people hire us as a coach, but if something resonated with people and they want to get a hold of you as a coach because you just you know you made their DNA resonate, uh, <laughs> where where can they find you?
2: So do you want an email address? Uh,
1: Whatever. Are you on social media, Instagram? What do you respond to best?
2: So I respond to everything, but um, my email is Nicole at convertauthentically.com. And my first last name, Nicole Spencer on Facebook. Uh, You can look me up under Nicole Spencer coaching. I have an authentic conversion page also. So I'm pretty easy to find.
1: Fantastic, and if you're ever going through the beautiful hills of, uh, was it Asheville, North Carolina?
2: Yeah, Blue Ridge Mountains.
1: Just yell out the window, Nicole, and she <laughs> might she might be able to uh, find you if your message resonates with her. So, yes. Anyways, well, thank you very much, Nicole. I appreciate you taking the time with us today and all the information you provided, everybody, uh, and those of you who are listening. If something that she said resonates with you, get a hold of her. Uh, find out how to build that relationship with your clients and let her take that piece of your business off your plate and get it done and better so you can be the kind of person that can tell us the story of, you know, selling your gym at some point like you wanted to or operating exactly the business that you wanted to. All those things are possible. So on behalf of Nicole Spencer, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dreamt of. Thanks everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're ready to double your profit without working longer hours, please visit clinicgymhybrid.com and find out how easy it is to get started on your path to freedom. That's clinicgymhybrid.com.